Welcome to 20th Century Geek. With those ominous words, the shadow was born, and a new era of heroes leapt into pop culture. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and today we're going to be talking about the pulps. Those pulp heroes that really have sort of been forgotten to yesteryear. They're not talked about as much as they should, but these guys... They are the foundation stone. These are the uh, the originators of these heroes. Without these characters, the Shadow, Doc Savage, um, the Spider, Operator 5, you wouldn't have, or we wouldn't have, so many of our modern heroes. Um, it's, these, these are so fundamental to our pop culture history that it's unbelievable. Yet they don't get talked about enough or hardly at all in uh, in the mainstream, and I think that's tragic. So today I catch up with uh, author and uh, pulp hero encyclopedia uh, Jim Beard to talk about uh, these characters, why they're important, and uh, how their legacy is being carried on today uh, in both the written word and by fans. But we should understand that this this really all came about in the 30s, really, as a result of the uh, the, the huge economic crash of 1929 that, that led uh, America predominantly, but most of the Western world, into a huge recession, uh, commonly referred to as the Depression era. During that period, you know, people were, were in strife, they were struggling to make ends meet, they were trying to look for things, ways to entertain themselves, to distract themselves from the the... the monotony and, and tragedy that was every day and uh, in July 1931 that voice that laugh of the shadow echoed out across the airwaves and uh, originally just as a narrator for a crime show uh, the detective story hour however quickly uh, quickly quite quickly but sorry 1930 July 1930 with quickly, it was realised how popular that character was. He started to come more towards the fore, and uh, Street and Smith, uh, the publishers who had already sort of like created the radio show, um, put forth the idea for the Shadow Magazine, uh, the first is- issue of which went on sale uh, April the first, nineteen thirty-one, and that is it. That's the start of the pulps. From there, just a year later, we get Doc Savage. Soon after that, we get the Spider. Uh, and then so many more. Everyone from the Phantom Detective and Operator 5 to... Um, <laughs> so many daft ones. The Purple Scar. And uh, all these characters, that without which you wouldn't have Batman, Superman... Um, <laughs> or anyone that's a man of mystery kind of character... Uh, in modern history, I think just think like even like the, the best examples like the question would be an amazing pulp hero or the Phantom Stranger. But you know what? I'm going to stop talking about them right now, and I'm going to hand over to uh, myself 
and uh, Jim Beard to talk more about these amazing characters and uh, and how they formed such a foundation element of modern pop culture. When I asked about the book, we'll talk about the, the Don Hutchinson book. Uh, Hutchinson book, sorry, has been on my Amazon wish list for ages, and um, I've wondered out about it. So when you recommended it, I was so pleased. I was like, "Oh, good! It's definitely the one to get." And uh, it is. A, it's a great book. Yeah, that was boy. That worked out great because I, I mean, that's definitely where I would start. Uh, mm. You know, it would have been a little difficult to kind of go from there and you know recommend something else. This, this is the book that really inspired me past some of the bigger pulp heroes you know this really helped me dig down you know uh, do a deeper dive into some of the other ones so and i just met um mr hutchison uh really? about, a month, about a month ago yeah at pulp fest uh, uh in um outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, I didn't even know he was going to actually be there, and so that was great for me to finally be able to tell him how much I enjoyed his book and how important it was to me. Well, I mean, that's... Well, I suppose we could just jump straight in there, then. So, how, how... What was your initial, like, introduction, then, to the pulps and the, the pulp heroes? Wait, are, you, are we on? I, I've been recording from the beginning. I'm always recording. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you know, um... My dad, uh, everything goes back to my dad. Uh, everything that I love in pop culture, I can trace somehow back to my dad. Um, he grew up in the uh, 40s and 50s. Uh, he was a comic book fan. He was a pulp fan. He was a, a classic radio mm. uh, fan, uh, music uh, fan. So all these different things, it all, you know, it all traces back to to him. So I was very, very lucky because I got uh, early on, I, I, you know, was able to develop quite a love for all this old stuff. You know, and uh, I, I've always been so interested in, in the history uh, of the characters and and, and the magazines, and, and then I, you know, I became a pulp writer, mm. and and you know, lo and behold, I could put all that mm-hmm. stuff to use. So you're a pulp writer. So what have you? So you've written um, t- tales for any of the characters, or is it in you know just? Uh... Oh, um. You know what? Um, it's funny because uh, there there are um, original pulp characters uh, yep. from from back in the day that are still owned mm. by companies. The the very biggest of them all are still owned by companies, and then there are quite a lot that are public domain. So I have not been you know uh, lucky enough to write uh, Doc Savage and the Shadow and the Spider and and all those very biggest ones. But I've actually written a, a few of the ones that have become public domain, uh, the black bat, uh, the purple scar, uh, mm. just off the, t- you know, off the top of my head. Um, some, some of the more, some of the minor ones, but you know what? I really love that because those are characters that really are, have been sort of 
not mined enough. Mm. Well, you know, the black bat was actually around from the late 30s to the early 50s. I still think there's a lot more that can be said. But the purple scar had like four to six different stories, and that was it. Uh, so he's a character that was just sitting there waiting for, for new pulp writers to pick up and to do something with. And he's just one of these uh, fascinating characters that uh, had, 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 had a very unique thing going on uh, with, with him and really needed <laughs> some more stories to be told. I have to admit, and that's the thing, I've, well, just, you know, on that, there's, there's the big ones I've always known, um, like, say, The Shadow... Uh, which I again, it's, it's everything sort of cycles backwards. I knew about the film, the Alec Baldwin film, first. That was my introduction yeah. to the character, and then it's sort of you go, oh, so this is it must be a comic character, yeah. and then you go back and you find the DC books or the the, the uh, I know uh, the IDW have done some, and then and then you go back yeah. and go, oh no, it's a it's a pulp character, and that was sort of my introduction. Um, the the shadow is the one mm. that. If, if if any pulp hero exists in the public, the general public consciousness, it's the shadow. Mm. After that, you'd be hard-pressed to, to walk down the street and stop somebody and, and have them name a, a pulp hero or, or name one to them and have them recognize it. Uh, as, as huge as Doc Savage was and as huge as he looms in pulp history, nobody outside of... Uh, pulp fans knows Doc Savage. Uh, nobody knows the Spider, uh, G Eight. Uh, you know how many of these uh, other different ones? Uh, it's it all falls to the Shadow. The Shadow had the benefit of the radio mm. program uh, to to back it up, and so many different little catchphrases came mm. out of that. The funny the funny thing is is that the radio version of the Shadow is very different from the pulp. Mm. version my my father uh loved the radio version and i remember after really kind of digging in and, and learning more about the shadow much later on and kind of comparing notes with him and, and that's when i really realized that he and i uh were um had different versions of the, <laughs> the shadow on our minds, and you know, I'm saying, no, no, hey, I found out he he's not really Lamont Cranston, he's really Ken Allard, mm. you know, this pilot, and he's like, um, no, you know, no, he to me, he's just you know Lamont Cranston. <laughs> it's like, no, no, you don't get it. He, he, that's just one of his disguises. You know? <laughs> you know? I, I definitely, and, I do love that he, about the character. He, he's a lot more, uh, you know, uh, people who work for him other than Margot Lane. Oh, you know, no, it's just Margot Lane. <laughs> well, because Margot, yeah, because Margot Lane doesn't really cloud. Did she she first appeared in the radios, didn't she? She she was then introduced. Is that right? She appeared in the radio series first as a yes. Ooh. Yeah, uh, and then and then you know adopted uh, by the uh, by the actual pulp uh, novels. Um, it's unfortunate um, because um, I, I know a lot of people who really love the shadow radio drama, and uh, I on satellite radio I, I get a really great station called Radio Classics, and they play the shadow quite a bit, and, mm. and many different uh, actors play the shadow on that show over the years. Uh, foremost uh, would be Orson Welles, of course. But um, I, I can't get into that version, and I think it's because I, I read the, the 
you know, the quote-unquote real uh, Shadow in the pulp novels. And it's hard because one of the things that I really love about the Shadow is his network of agents. Mm. Um, that's one of the parts of Doc Savage that I love so much is his five uh, uh, comrades, you know, that, that work for him. Uh, it, really, you get to the radio drama, and it's Margot, and if I'm not mistaken, you get um, uh, Shrevy, uh, his driver, uh, in, in the radio drama, and that's it. Mm. <laughs> limit, um, limit the cast, limit the budget. Yeah, sure. No, you know, and and, and I totally get that. Uh, it, I think what they could—I don't know—they could have done is at least had one agent. Mm. That, you know, he, he, you know, like this episode, it's uh, Burbank. You know, in this episode, it's it's mm-hmm. uh, you know one of the one of the other ones. Uh, but uh, they just decided, to, you know, to streamline it, and and I understand that. But the whole thing about uh, clouding. Uh, men's minds uh, in the radio drama Lamont does not actually change into the shadow he does not put on the cloak and the mm. hat and, and the you know uh, the scarf or the putting the coat collar up or anything like that at all and he most certainly does not wield 45 automatics <laughs> and, and deal some you know death mm. with with those um, it's a very it's I think it's a very different take. Um, and it, it, you know, there's no budget to just write into a script that he, you know, he dons the cloak and the, the hat and, and, <laughs> and other characters shoot a lot in, in radio drama. So it's, I don't know how they ever really got to where they, you know, went to, but when, when you're used to the, the, um, the guy slipping in and out of shadows and, and, mm. uh, all, all of that, um, it, it, it doesn't match up. Well, that's just me. <laughs> no, no, I agree. Because, again, I did. I only really listened to the radio shows relatively recently, literally in the last sort of, like, year, like, 18 months. And that, But the, the opener is so iconic, you know, the, the, sure. uh, which is amazing. And I, I love that. But you're right. I think the, I find the radio shows uh, tamer to the, compared to some of the, the novels. And I haven't read a great deal. I've read, like, four or five. But yeah. there's a real, there is a real difference, and it, it, I think you know, I find the shadows specifically. I mean, being probably the first, really, or the you know the earliest ones, is the his, his evolution in the novels. I, I read the first one. Um, I forgot the first one's called the very first novel, and he's not really in it. You know, he, he does. No. The, the, there's the bit on the bridge at the beginning, and it's, it follows it follows one of his agents really, and I was a bit surprised by that. Good book. Hmm. Walter Gibson, who, you know, really, you know, one of the co-creators of The Shadow, uh, he has said before that the ideas were a little bit nebulous. It, it's funny because it actually began as a radio character, mm. but only as a, as a narrator. Um, and then uh, the, the magazine people approached uh, Gibson and, and said, can you, um, can you, make this into a, a magazine character, you know, write, write novels about him. And it's fun because if you start at the beginning of the novels and you start reading through, you can see this development. You can almost mm. see Walter Gibson thinking uh, through from one novel to the next and developing uh, this character. He, he quite literally grows out of the shadows mm. 
in, into a fully fleshed out character. Then when you get up into the the post war years, uh, he is far more man than than shadowy demon, you know, figure that he is in in the early. Um, earlier novels and they they do finally kind of drop that whole ken allard thing that that's who he really is and he he more fully goes into he's lamont cranston although obviously readers up to that point know damn well yeah. who he really <laughs> is but or, or is he um but uh but yeah um yeah it's very very different if you if you start from the the very beginning but it's just it's one incredible evolution to to watch it, it is i find that with a lot of the characters i mean you, you start like you say with the with the shadow the sort of the dark and then you get uh, almost like the antithesis of the shadow with like doc savage who who you know i've read the first couple of novels and then some of the later ones and he almost appears fully formed yeah um the the real thing that drops in after two i think it's after two novels mm. is his code against killing mm. um and at i third or fourth novel he's 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 fully formed uh, by that point what's really wonderful about the first doc savage novel is that it is for the most part an origin mm. story uh that he he really sets off on his mission uh because of the the death or the murder of his, his father uh which that's kind of unique uh in some ways in the in the old hero pulps um but uh, Doc Savage is definitely my favorite. As, as much as I love The Shadow, uh, it's it's really all about uh, Doc Savage with me. Yeah. And yes, you're right. He's, you know, in many ways the, the antithesis of, of The Shadow. The Shadow very much has no problem against mm. killing. Uh, Doc uh, uh, gets upset with his aides, you know, when they kill uh monk especially who will quote unquote accidentally kill somebody yeah. <laughs> and and you know he gets a big long frown and maybe even a little lecture from from doc but it, it's i think it's in the second or third doc savage novel he he lives up to his name he's uh, up against a guy and he's got the guy pinned against the wall with a table and he pushes hard enough to cut the guy in half, <laughs> you know. So we go from that to you know practically the next novel, and so and he has you know this very strict code against killing. Um, I, I I I like that because it's just one of those another one of those things that sets Doc apart mm. from other of uh, the pulp heroes who uh, Doc does not use firearms uh, unless he absolutely has to. You know, has the code against killing. Um, although most uh, pulp heroes are intelligent, Doc is super intelligent. Mm. Um, he Doc has um, you know uh, he's. Vulcan like you know virtually no um emotions uh all the emotions you know come from his uh his companions uh, the the five aids really really to me you know fascinating stuff yeah he is i mean that's what i find you know looking through uh especially through the don hutchison book and you look through at some of the characters and you you know you say so you get past the main ones there there are a lot of um derivatives really you know you get the, the top ones and i would even say like the spider whilst you know in the stories sound fascinating i've actually already i've purchased a couple of the double features online to, to have a look through 
But the character himself, sound, look, you know, he sounds like he is a derivative of the Shadow. So, yes, very, very so, much so. It's it's his adventures. It's the it's the stories that set the Spider apart. Mm-hmm. For the most part, he's he's a guy in a cloak and a hat. Uh, sometimes a, a domino mask. Sometimes he wears this sort of like fright mask, <laughs> like with fangs, and 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 you know he's kind of hunched over, kind of a weird thing like that. But um, as far as that cloak hat, two two revolvers, and uh, and a weird laugh. So in that sense, derivative. But as far as apocalyptic visions you you it's the it's the spider or or nothing else um as much as maybe the city is in danger uh in the shadow adventures it's usually because there's a mob running around or or something to that effect in the spider novels it's literally that buildings are falling down mm. uh, that there's a pl- some sort of you know plague passed by rats because they've infested the city uh, uh, built you know bridges blowing up you know it's always some sort of huge apocalyptic thing uh, it, it's amazing that one city New York City could have been faced with, with such utter destruction from, oh. from book to book but that's why you read the spider mm. you know you, you know you uh, you know you read it for you know stories that had city the city destroyer in the title <laughs> um, you know the, the the shadow incredibly enough was a little bit more down to earth yeah. <laughs> um, some some might say the spider and the shadow were just as nuts as each other. Um, you you sort of had to be uh, off off the rails, and that's one of the things they love about Don Hutchison's book, uh, the, the Great Pulp Heroes, is that he highlights the insanity of some of these characters. Oh, one of yeah. the funniest parts is he's, he's talking about the Shadow, who sits in darkened rooms by himself yeah. and, and writes notes to himself <laughs> and then laughs to himself. <laughs> well, we all need hobbies. <laughs> Right. You're right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, reading the, you know, I, it, I obviously, you know, a bit sort of uh, touched the tip of the iceberg and learning more about these, especially sort of uh, with further characters. I'm really going to sort of try and find out about like G8, uh, Operator Five, uh, the Phantom Detective. There was there really is like a pulp character for everyone's taste, isn't it? Like they all get covered up. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, um, if you want just a pure uh, mystery story, Phantom Detective is right there. If you were a fan of the air uh, war pulps, then you had choices, G8 being one of the most uh, prominent ones. And there were other lesser ones like the Lone Eagle uh, or... Um, uh, Dusty Airs, you know, one of those ones. Um, you know, if you wanted espionage, this all the spy stuff. You had Operator Five. Um, you had a lot of these choices uh, back then. I mean, pretty much like the like the comic books too that mm. were running concurrently. Um, but uh, there, what, again, you dig in, and and I think if you didn't really know much about the the hero pulps, you'd you'd be you know really intrigued by the great uh, depth uh, of the the not only the storytelling but but the characters too. Well, you say about the characters, and that's the thing about this that the, the 
you know, we talk about things like the Shadow's development, about, you know, these... We've talked about characteristics of Doc Savage and the insanity of the Spider stories. But the fact you've got to remember is that... Well, you obviously can... You know, is these were written by uh, people on a, on a pretty much on a monthly basis. Some of these guys were banging out stories of, you know, day in yeah. to day out. I and mean, that, that level of imagination and commitment's really incredible. Yeah, um... Walter Gibson's the prime example of that. Uh, that the the speed that he wrote, uh, he was. Pr- I think he was pretty much writing one of these every two weeks. Uh, he got into a rhythm and, and a schedule that he could do this. Uh, uh, he he kind of he kind of screwed himself, if you will, <laughs> because the first uh, year or so of the. Um, Shadow novels was so successful that they came back to him and they said, "Okay, we're going to go bi-monthly." <laughs> <laughs> so he had to have uh, an inventory uh, of stories, uh, and and he said that ideas could come from anywhere. You know, he could be writing one and and coming up with the idea for the next one. Um, it, it's it's a schedule mm. and it's a a, a regimen that today's writers. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's matching it or doing anything like that whatsoever. These guys were, this was like a regular job to them. It Mm. wasn't necessarily a creative outlet, although it certainly is as we can see it today. But they were like the comic book artists. Uh, They were like Jack Kirby, who always said, I worked so much because I needed to put food on the table. Yeah. Needed a roof over our heads. Um, it, it was a job, uh, and and one that they took seriously. And if you took a break, or or you got writer's block or something like that, you you know you were literally endangering your livelihood. Um, if you weren't in good with a publisher, and you had to keep kind of looking for for jobs here and there, that that wasn't a good thing. The best thing of all is to is to get onto one of these characters and just start, as you say, banging these these mm. uh, stories out. Uh, and sometimes the guys who wrote some of the the regular recurring characters, they were also just doing one offs, you know, here here and there. Uh, some of them had how many different pen names that they were writing under. Well, that's the thing you say. I mean, that's the thing to you know that um, you mentioned Walter, Walter Gibson and, and and obviously like uh, and um, Kenneth Robertson, who you know obviously did uh, Doc Savage. But the thing is, like I say, not only were they like churning these things out and you know working to a quality, because I'd have to say like you can pick up any um, of these novels, say, like I say, Doc Savage, The Shadow, the ones I've already read, uh, it, Justice Inc, so the, the Avenger. And they're actually really good fun. Like, you know, you, I, I've read quite a few now, and they're, they're really good fun. I've just picked them at random when I've been able to pick them up. And they're all pretty good quality. Yeah. And so that's the, what impresses me, is, you know, these stories, that the imagination in the stories. But no one talks about these people. Like, no one says, oh, yeah, they were really, you know. You, you say you mentioned Jack Kirby, and Jack Kirby stands as, you know, they call him King Kirby. He's, he's renowned as a great artist. Yeah. But these guys don't get talked about, and so they, they you know, working under house names must have been quite a shame. It's a shame, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my um, my hero, as far as a pulp writer, is Lester Dent, who mm. who wrote under the name Kenneth Robeson for um, for Doc Savage. Um, not only because of uh, the schedule that he kept, 
But in, in literally just the style that he wrote in, if there's any one style that, that inspired me the most as a pulp writer, it would be Lester Dent. I love the way he started off stories and, and then the way he started to dig into them. But you're right. No, you can't. Nobody would know outside of our world who Lester Dent was. Again, the closest you're going to get is Walter Gibson. Mm. He actually, if anybody turned it into something like an art form, it, it would be him. Uh, so many stories, but yet also very well written. Uh, those first shadow novels are are just this close to being. Uh, literate mm. um, y- you know there's there's a real uh, grace I guess t- to them they got a little shorter and a little punchier and quicker as they went along um, sure but there you can see that his, his development and I think maybe he was actually starting to look at it as a little bit more like you know classier thing in the beginning until he realized what his schedule had to be for him to get hmm. that to get that work done but yeah there's so many unsung heroes now among the pulp fans these names are hallowed ground hmm. you know um, Lester Dent and Walter Gibson um, uh, Hubie Cave uh, so many of these uh, guys uh, that and, and and so many of them who wrote under the house names which was something that the publishers just truly felt was necessary uh, back then uh, which, which is a real shame we we know them now thanks to pulp scholars like will Murray um, and that's that's a great thing because we can really look at them, appreciate them, see where they came from, uh, see how much work that they actually did, and and then really sort of appreciate their styles. And you start to see that they all had different styles. Mm. Yeah, and that's it. I think they're sort of um, you know, how sort of productive these guys is. It's so impressive. I mean, um, like I said, the different imaginations, the different characters. Um, so really, I mean, the, the, the thing I'm curious about is, so why did they fade away? What? Why did why did the pulps fade yeah. away? It, it, some of it I think has to do with the war, um, and some of it has to do with the advent of paperbacks, um, comics incredibly enough did not fade away and mm. and we still have them today um the the pulp the hero pulps especially really changed after the war was over they got more realistic um you know superheroes actually had a very <laughs> slow period after the war mm. and uh, they really tried to change uh, doc savage became a, m- a more realistic character he was not uh, portrayed as the superhuman that he was before he became fallible he became emotional uh, um, at, at one point the shadow actually was just Lamont Cranston towards the end of the run of the shadow pulp uh, he didn't it was still called the shadow but he was just basically Lamont Cranston detective mm. um, it, it was a kind of a thing where um, the horrors of war supposedly woke people up 
uh, and they uh, they didn't need those uh, you know those fancies uh, anymore. But the when the paperbacks came along in the in the mass market paperbacks came along in the in the fifties, that really um, killed what was left of the of the pulp magazines. Um, even though they those early paperbacks were reprinting a lot of stuff from the pulps, mm. uh, re- reusing pulp covers and, and things like that. So um, you get you get up into the '60s, and there's just a few small remnants of the of the pulp magazines left. Actually, there's still a few that are still around today. We still do have uh, fiction digest magazines. Uh, Ellery Queen, uh, I think that um, Alfred Hitchcock magazine or Isaac Asimov magazines might mm. still uh, be out there. Analog um, magazine of fantasy and science fiction. The they're a lot of their them are more literate than than the pulps ever were, but that that's sort of the remnants. And and a lot of people don't see this at all is the um, series romance novels, silhouette Harlequin. Uh, that's the that's the remnants of the uh, the romance pulps because it's it's the exact same thing. It's monthly mm. books that you buy, you, you know, uh, with a with a full romance story in it. It's just in paperback, mass market paperback form. Um, there's a little bit of the men's adventure uh, series still going, um, so that's you know that's the remnant, that's the legacy. Um, that's that's still going today and then there's a few writers who strip away whatever you know price that you're paying for their hardcover books but what they basically are is pulp writers and i'm looking at clive cussler it's a great yeah. example it's, of it's, that. it's funny you say that because i was actually this this is the question i sort of had in my head when i was thinking about this i asked because i asked like well why did they fade away yeah. and a part of me said well the pulp novels have faded away but the characters haven't or that the, the, the inclination for those characters haven't. And I sort of thought, you know, following... Um, you said about the comics, and I thought about things like Will Eisner's The Spirit. Um, you know, later on we had, like, the, uh, the 90, early 80s, you got The Rocketeer. Um, yeah. So those sort of times there. But then even characters like James Bond, Indiana Jones in the movies. And they all see sort of, like, remnants. But the one that really struck me, you know, as you said, sort of, like, I've got, like, Jack Reacher... Is a sort of um, you know uh, what's it uh, what's it Charles Jack Reacher Harry Dresden is like a you know they're like a, a supernatural detective. It's yeah. like the fact, but but the one that really struck me as and I watched a trailer for it just to read it was Jack Bauer of twenty four twenty four is in the TV yeah. series. It's a pulp TV series. There's no denying it. It's yeah, very very much so. It's the the remnants are all around. It's just that they're it's sort of dressed up in a, in a different way. Uh, but if you re, if you really sat somebody down who was a, a Dirk Pitt, you know, fan or, mm. or Jack Ryan or, or, or any one of these and, and ex- showed them that without the the pulps of the '30s and '40s and, and and '50s, you you wouldn't have these characters. They they may be surprised. First, you'd have to explain what what pulp yeah. was to them of course <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah those uh, those uh, tendrils are, are still there so you know the legacies exist just sort of dressed up in, in a different way it's, it's, it's quite I know, you know this is a very niche area and you said as you said the people that, that, that know these things the people that uh, are in the know are very much um, you know aware of these people the writers the characters and, and sort of like you say idolise them and, and respect them 
Yeah. But in other genres, like you know, if you look at the the you know, if you look at like say uh, horror as a as a you know as a genre in all forms, people in you know it's easier and there's more of a sort of especially nowadays more of a acceptance of looking at the history of horror. So you know, you look at things like you know early um, German expressionism through to the Universal Monsters through to the Hammer horror and the, you know the um, Roger Corman horrors in the slasher films. Like people look at that and they look at it for like other things as well you know in uh, pop culture but you're right no one's sort of there's nothing to look at and go yeah you know sort of harry dresden or you know um jack ryan all these writers track it back and you get the pulps and you do track them back to things it's, it's i think it's a real shame that, that, that there isn't more of an awareness of these this history and this lineage yeah the, the difference today is that the there's still the 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 characters are um, are growing. Mm. You know, uh, one of the strictures of the pulp era is that the, sh- the the shadow was the same guy for the most part, the same guy from book from novel to novel to magazine to issue. You know, mm. month after month after month, um, they actually could not really developed them that was basically a publisher's rule that you know for the most part there were not continuing stories mm. there there was no to be continued um or anything like that at all it had to be that if i in august of 1939 when i pick up uh, a copy of the doc savage and then i pick one up in uh january of 1940 or you know 41 that it's that it's going to be pretty much the same thing mm. Um, it should be someone's first, and and the character is there, and he's exactly the same. You know, today, um, of course, the other difference is that you're paying a lot more for one of these, you know, for a Clive Cussler hardcover than you have for, you know, a 10 cent or 15 cent mm-hmm. uh, a, a pulp magazine. You know, that was the whole thing. It was that it was cheap entertainment, mm-hmm. cheap entertainment for for the masses. Uh, when they couldn't afford much of anything else, they could drop a, a nickel, a dime, you know, a dime and a nickel for for one of these throwaway uh, pulp yeah. stories. Take their take their mind off of the depression, uh, you know, the Great Depression that was going on, or the first opening, you know, salvos of, of World War. Um, you know, qu- quite a different thing. And you know, I don't think Clive Cussler's, you know, uh, or any of his ilk are still working uh, to keep food on the table anymore these days. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I, there's no way they could keep up with that schedule that, but that they had. But I think that you know, the one, the biggest differences is is that the characters today can develop. Um, they uh, they don't necessarily have. To to stay the same from book to book to book. Mm. Yeah, you know, they can have uh, something, you know, truly monumental that happens in, in, in their lives. Um, and that didn't happen very much. Although, here, now I'm saying this, but, like, the spider actually got married uh, at, at some point in the in the run of the of the spider uh, novels. So his longtime fiancé, they finally did get, get married. So they, they're, there's exceptions. I was going to say... Yeah, I was going to say, because the other one that sort of struck me, read, again, reading the book and doing a little bit of digging, was Operator 5, was that there was the Purple Invasion. So yes, a... oh, I'm so glad you brought up the Purple Invasion. And here, here I am saying there can't be any conti- continuing <laughs> stories. That, that saga, and that's the only way to actually put it, is 
is an incredible exception in the history of pulp magazines. It's it's uh, 13 parts, if I'm not mistaken, mm. uh, th- that is when you step back is all one gigantic story. Uh, you can read them individually, but if you, if you read them all as one thing, it's, it's much richer that way, uh, to, it's an invasion for, you know, if your listeners not aware, it's an invasion of the United States, uh, before in the thirties, uh, before, uh, world war two, but by a thinly veiled Germany, Mm. Um, it's, uh, uh, and, uh, there's, a uh, the leader of the country known as the purple emperor, uh, his, his, uh, armies invade the United States. Uh, the United States is sort of sleeping when that happens. Uh, we were, you know, still in isolationism at, at that point. And, uh, these, these novels detail the, the takeover of the United States and then the rebel the rebels that rise up and, and, and fight it back, uh, led uh, by Operator 5, for the most part, Jimmy Christopher and, uh, and his people. And once again, uh, what a wonderful story. And, and I don't know how they got away with it <laughs> you know, in, the, in the middle of those. I'd, I'd be really curious to see the mail uh, that that the the magazine got at that point uh, because the prevailing wisdom is is that that readers didn't necessarily want that uh, to have continuing stories mm. uh, like that or the publishers most especially didn't didn't want that but to have this gigantic 13 part story uh, that referred you know back to previous installments and, and built built upon the story one after the other as it went along into its conclusion where obviously the United States wins, spoiler alert, hmm. and, and drives off the invaders. Um, that Quite an anomaly in the in the history of the hero pulps. It, yeah, no, I was, it's one of those that like... Um, all, we've, we've talked about these characters and... Um, you know, like I said, the show, you've got the pinnacle, the, the, the Shadow and, and Doc Savage. And if you were to go on eBay uh, or Amazon or any other sort of uh, online, basically, you can find copies of the reprints from the sort of late 60s into the 70s. Um, quite readily yeah. available. for Usually for, you know, for relatively reasonable, really, you know, a couple of quid. And, and, and in usually varying conditions. But, yeah. but beyond those, it's difficult to find some of these characters um yes and no it's actually we're kind of in a golden age of pulp reprints at this point not too terribly long ago when i first really started getting into reading the original pulps it wasn't easy uh i had to do searches to see what was reprinted and what was not uh i used to look at a a a website that uh tried to keep up on uh, keep a really good list of, of pulp reprints uh, in the 60s uh, there was a quite a heyday uh, of it um, they Bantam started doing the the Doc Savage reprints and that was successful and signet um, uh, or pocket mm. now, now I'm forgetting uh, did the shadow reprints and Interestingly enough, what helped it along was the camp craze mm. uh, of the late later '60s. Um, you know, driven by, obviously by the Batman TV series that uh, that 
these original 30s and 40s pulp novels were seen as camp. <laughs> so, so there were publishers who were kind of digging back into it and saying, hey, you know, let's let's print, you know, some Operator 5 novels or some Phantom Detective novels, but because it's so campy, <laughs> mm. you know, it was it was great, but it was kind of for the wrong reason uh, that, that uh, they're doing it. But it was it was spotty. Um, there were some very, very small fly by night publishers that were they were reprinting things. They did them uh, as sort of uh, periodicals themselves. Um, and and to try to find these and yeah you had to search eBay and you know to get a a, a, a reprint of the octopus the very the only issue of the octopus and it was reprinted in this really kind of tawdry uh, uh, periodical uh, but uh, if you got it they actually like it was all photocopied right out of the actual magazine <laughs> so you got the actual real layout plus the actual real illustrations and and that was really great and then. And then all of a sudden, a few years back, then we started getting some very good quality reprints. And now uh, you have um, publishers like Altus Press that are, are digging deep into uh, the... A lot of the major hero pulps have been reprinted. They're starting to look down into the, into the backup features which had recurring characters and and really digging out some of those and putting those into collections. Uh, so not only are we going to have um, Doc Savage reprinted and and the the Avenger and the Shadow, but we're going to have the Moon Man uh, reprints. <laughs> you know, we're going to uh, have. Um, Boy, I'm the skipper, you know, and things like this, you know, dusty airs, whatever, you know, reprinted. Uh, so you can get quite a bit of it these days. And like you said, far more reasonable than trying to buy the original pulps, which oh, yeah. talking hundreds and thousands of, of dollars to, to buy pulps in, in halfway decent shape. But it's a wonder that they exist at all. Uh, they were meant to be read and to be thrown away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you didn't throw them away, if you were around during World War II, then you were giving them to paper drives. Mm. Um, and that, you know, that pulp paper was going right back to <laughs> its source <laughs> material. Uh, um, so it is a wonder that so many exist today. And, and if there are any that are even in anything remotely exemplifying very good or excellent condition that's a that's a wonder in itself but they but they are out there uh there's still a lot of people that collect them uh, i go to a pulp show every year called pulp fest which began as a as a pulp collector's uh show and but quote-unquote new pulp has come into it now so it's almost to the point where it's half and half there at the show uh, and and you can walk around and you can you can discover uh pulp heroes that you maybe never heard of before uh in in these fantastic reprints oh cool so what was it was it altus press how do you spell that yeah a-l-t-u-s to me they are one of the premier uh reprint houses um Girasol, uh was doing the shadow uh reprints um uh i'm trying to think of who does the doc savage one I, they're either almost done with the Doc Savages, or, mm. or they are done with it. There, um, I think there's like 180 
283 Doc Savage novels from back in the day, there were far more uh, shadows, 200 into the 200s or more than that. Wow. Uh, so they're, um, you know, there's more to reprint of them. But you can at least get a sample uh, of mm. everything uh, out, out there. Uh, not, you know what, not so much Operator 5. Um, you can get some of the 60s paperbacks of Operator 5, but not the Purple Invasion. The Purple Invasion was reprinted at least in part in the 90s in some of these periodic reprint periodicals, but not the whole thing. If I'm not mistaken, somebody is attempting it again, but they're doing it issue by issue instead of what I would prefer, which would be to collect it into mm. you know just a couple of volumes. Yeah, um, that would be so. It would be amazing. I mean, just, just the thing that like you say, you, you, you're triggering my brain. It's you know, I've got to look into this. I've taken a note of Alters Press, and uh, my collection at the moment is very much those sort of. 60s and 70s uh, reprints that I've been managed to pick up. Um, yeah. And I've, I've also got um, four of the, the Golden Press, the hardback Doc Savages. Yeah. Uh, which are really nice. And uh, some other bits and pieces. Um, but I will definitely look into those those reprints. Because the thing you mentioned as well, that, that sort of, uh, before and with these reprints, is they, I think they do on some of these, I think, because now you've mentioned it, I think I've seen them, is they're actually like reprinting the covers as well. So this sort yes. of, and uh, which are awesome. I think sort of the, the original cover artwork as well were. I mean, obviously they were there to sell the book, so they were re- pretty uh, impressive works. Yeah, Altus is doing a wonderful job. They're, um, these the reprint houses. They're no longer um, scanning necessarily the actual pages, mm. um, but they're reformatting them. Uh, re-typesetting them in a way that echoes that. It, it has a, uh, Altus is, has a real nice vintage feel. You're getting the original illustrations, uh, of course. Um, there's some fantastic spider, uh, more recent spider reprints. I think you said that where it's, you get two in, in one volume. Mm. That, that's the same way they're doing the Doc Savages and the Shadows, too, where you get two in one volume. But um, that's what's nice because that's, to me, part of the the magic of it is not only the story itself, but to see these illustrations. There were some of these illustrators that were working to do the interior illustrations, mm. that they were just as good as the the guys that were painting uh, the the covers. Uh, and the talk about underappreciated. And these days, we're we're really starting to appreciate the cover artists, but still, the 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 guys doing the black and white uh, pen illustrations on the inside are still not quite getting their due. But it is it is happening um you go to a pulp show and chances are you'll get a in the evening there'll be a paint you know a talk mm. where uh they're gonna uh, zero in on, on one of these illustrators some a few of whom are, might still actually be alive there's still a few pulp writers alive and uh maybe one or two of these illustrators or or they'll find you'll find their children who are picking up the the mantle and and uh becoming very very uh learned about their famous parent and hmm. and then going around doing talks so that so that this information doesn't die and I'm, I'm glad they're doing that because I, I do think you know for me these are this is a relatively new um area of sort of 20th century pop culture that i've got in uh, that i'm interested in um 
But it really is sort of. I'm glad it's been kept alive, and I'm glad there are people that are really sort of and, and keeping it going, and and you know finding new ways to develop it because yeah. they're actually well, they're, really important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think you know you do you you're doing good work. Um, Thank you. Because <laughs> they really are um, really important in both. Um, a pop culture history in a social history in their legacy it's incredible yeah it's it's you know it's a uh, it's a um, a form of fiction that was absolutely shaped by the environment at the time you know without the great depression without uh, world war um, this stuff would just it wouldn't exist like uh, like it did it's such an important part of the 20th century mm. in, in pop culture and 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 it's a shame because so many people don't know about it i like i said at the beginning i was very lucky i had uh, i have a father who who loved it all and lived through it all and and passed it on to me not everybody's you know that lucky but the really cool thing is is that we're seeing more and more young readers younger readers um picking up uh new pulp Mm. like the type of stuff like I'm writing and getting interested in it and then hopefully they're turning around and saying well what came before what are you working off of and and then we just say okay two tables down is yeah. <laughs> is Altus press yeah and you know there's a cornucopia of reprints that you can you know and here's a few that we would recommend and and or here's my, my new my book right here is inspired by that character right there and and uh this is happening <laughs> it's not a lot but but it is happening and and it's keeping it alive and, but that's and, and that's the, the great thing I and mean, that's how i you know you do you start there's always a starting point like i said my instruction was was the shadow and the rocketeer and then you yeah. go, I like these characters, and then you you dig in a bit more, and you find something else, and you find something else, and you find, and you track it back to that source, and it's it's a, yeah. it's incredible. Um, yeah. You know, do do you think that, that that these characters could gain mass appeal again? Do you think there's something that could trigger an interest in these again? Yeah, it's going to take a um, it's going to take a massive, massively successful big budget movie. It's been tried a couple times. Mm. Uh, really, you know, the first real, you know, um, swipe at it was uh, the Doc Savage movie, the George Pell Doc Savage yeah. movie, which most of us, you know, uh, are not necessarily me, but when I say us, the, you know, the pulp fans that are around today sort of hang their head in shame <laughs> about. Uh, uh, let's be just uh, let's be fair. Every genre's got that film. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> It, it got a few things right and it mm. got a lot of things wrong <laughs> it was uh, unfortunately made in during the camp era and there's so much of that instilled in it mm. um, but uh, and and you know doc has never been attempted again although every six months it seems like we hear another report that oh so and so is doing you know doing doc savage I mean it's it's going around right now I'm trying to think of who it is that supposedly well, it's, it's supposed to be uh, Shane Black is Shane Black, in, is writing yeah. and directing and uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson has uh, apparently signed on to play doc <laughs> savage so yeah but how long has this been going on mm. <laughs> you know what I mean I, I don't know. Um, you know, um, the Alec Baldwin Shadow movie uh, kind of came and went. 
uh, again, uh, uh, far more than the Doc Savage movie, there was, uh, let's call it a lot right, but still some things wrong. And uh, that, you know, is barely remembered today. It has a great opening. It the does. opening is, is ripped right from the pulp novels. Yes. And then it, it kind of goes off the rails a little bit, <laughs> you know, after that. Um, one of my personal favorites is the Phantom movie. The Billy Zane one. Yes. Yes. Uh, now, arguably, the Phantom, not not exactly a true pulp character. He's a comic strip character. Mm. But he is, for the most part, lumped in with the, the great pulp heroes. And it has a very great pulp feel to it. Um, when Treat Williams is not only chewing the scenery, spitting it out, <laughs> picking it back up and chewing it again and spitting it out, uh, it actually is, is quite a competent phantom movie. And I just love Billy Zane in it. I think he was just a... Just you know, did a fantastic job. He's got, with he's that. got a certain sort of twinkler's eye about the whole thing, a bit tongue in cheek, yeah. which is. Oh, absolutely! You know, you know, your dog is a wolf. You know, <laughs> yes, yes, he is. <laughs> you know, and he's smiling from ear to ear. Um, uh, you know, obviously Indiana Jones. Yeah. Uh, uh, not, not. You know, obviously Indiana Jones didn't exist, but you know, before uh, the '80s, but um, you know, very much a pulp hero, very much of that. Tradition of the the serials uh, movies back then, and and, and the pulps themselves. Um, uh, you know, there have been Tarzan movies. Tarzan, mm. very much a pulp character. Um, we had the uh, John Carter of Mars movie, which I have a few friends who worship that movie. And, I think and, it's massively underrated. I really enjoy that film. Yeah. I and, and you know what? The reasons why these movies just can't seem to make it. Obviously, Tarzan has had the most success mm. over the decades uh, in, in the movies, but with changes to make it more palatable for mm. mass audiences. I, you know, I've said it, I love Doc Savage, just love everything about it, but to bring the true Doc Savage to the screen is probably impossible. Mm. Um, you know, first and foremost of it is there are no, there's no romantic interests, you know, in those novels. If there are women in it, uh, you know, Monk and Ham will fight over her a little bit. and She only has eyes for Doc and Doc, you know, just completely ignores her. They, you can't get away with that in a movie mm. today, you know. Um, I doubt if you can get away with the emotionless uh, uh, Doc, um, the superhuman Doc, the you know the infallible Doc. I'd love to see it done, but I just I, I you know I don't know. Um, you know, <laughs> chances are we're going to get the 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 formulaic yeah uh, a, a summer popcorn movie uh, thing. Here I am laughing, calling it formulaic when, of course, the pulps were formulaic. I, say, yeah. I, I get that, but today's formula is a little different from from the pulp formula. Um, I don't know. I'd love to see the shadow attempted again, but I will bet you in Hollywood, there's they still have some memories of that mm. Alec Baldwin. So well, it's, it's if interesting. Brings it up, they're going to say, "Look, it didn't work." Well, it's interesting because you know? John Carter didn't work. The last Tarzan movie didn't work. The last Conan movie didn't work. Yeah, they, they really, the thing is, I think that's the problem with in the, with this period. That I say they've got they've got a, 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 had a bad taste for them because they haven't been done right. I think there's there's been a real sort of. I really like the shadow, and I think it's ironic that. There'd be no Batman without the Shadow, 
But you wouldn't. Yeah, but, absolutely. You, but you wouldn't have the Alec Baldwin shadow without the 1989 Batman. So it's it's you know they've paid each other off. But you're yeah. right. The, the early um, from about 1980, in my experience, there's there's just these sort of like these pulpy films that keep popping up. Uh-huh. They, they raise their head up and they're of varying quality. Like I, I'm, you know, like you say Indiana Jones, massive fan of Indiana Jones. I, you know, I love Indiana Jones. But then you do you get the early 90s. There's a space of them. You get the Shadow, um, uh, the Phantom, the Rocketeer, Dick Tracy, uh, and they tried all those things. And they all sort of I, I, again, I think some of them are really underrated. Um, but you also get like the the, the, um, the not so much, almost like the satires and the sort of like the, not the rip-offs, but the tr- they've tried. So you get things like Jake Speed in 1986 or Buckaroo Banzai and um, yeah. Sky Captain: The World of Tomorrow and and these oh, other ones. I- Buckaroo Banzai, the best Doc Savage film ever. Yes, it is. It's great. It is. Yes. You know that. You know, I'm so glad that you brought that up. <laughs> I didn't know if it was fair game, but but it is. It's that's it's Doc Savage. Um, and uh, so, but again, was that a successful movie? You know, we all love it, and mm. it's kind of a cult classic now. But no, I, most people, I have no idea that that movie even exists. Yeah. Um, um, varying degrees of success and uh, uh, not a lot of money, you know, made. So, and it's you know, it's got nothing to do. I think it's got nothing to do with these movies, perhaps being period pieces. No, uh, because there's plenty of movies that have. You know, uh, the one that I always look to is Captain America: The First yes. Avenger. Well, and Wonder we, Woman. Wonder Woman was a first. Yeah, you know, so. that we had a successful movie set entirely during World War Two, mm. uh, and that and and World War One for for Wonder Woman, and, and with a female lead, mm. um, you know, says something right there. Um, but they would they they would have to make the characters more human. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you're right. I think I think there there is ways. I I always say about these things, and because I've got there's characters in both comics and novels and get all these things. I always think, oh, they're never going to happen, and then someone will do it, and if you, if he's got the right writer, they will it will happen. I think the the great example for me of a film which I think is almost spot on in essence and you know characterization, but it but didn't land is Dread, the 2012 um, Dread movie. Oh, with, uh, Carl with Urban. Urban, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a fantastic. It's one of my favorite films. It's an amazing Judge Dredd film. It's an amazing interpretation of Judge Dredd, but because it's such because Judge Dredd, like you say, is emotionless, is is brutal, is almost fascist. Like it didn't yeah. land at all in the mainstream, and like you say, you sometimes have to change those elements to make it into a mainstream feature. Uh, you know, I. Uh, um... How was it received by Judge Dread fans? Oh, Dread fans love it. Dread fans uh, uh, almost okay. unanimously think it's it's. It, uh, to, to be fair, you have the Stallone version to compare it to, so it's not exactly a high bar to cross. But it, I, yeah, in my I, I'm a massive Judge Dread fan, and I think other sort of 2000 AD and Dread fans are, are, are you know really are more yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, but well, so th- this and John Carter. Uh, I guess shows that they can be done right, but then, mm. but they're not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to, 
going to be one of the you know the Marvel movies. They're not going to be you know Star Wars. I, I, I don't know what it's going to uh, take. You know, me personally, I'd like to see an you know a very faithful adaptation. I if if the Doc Savage movie is not just ripped right from the pages of one of the um, the mid thirties. Uh, Doc Savage novels I, I'm probably not going to be interested um, mm. I, I don't personally I don't get it. it it's like why not have something different you know why why not offer something to movie audiences that isn't that isn't that same old thing and you know to try a superhuman character on them um, that you know doesn't necessarily have to have a scene where they cry over mm. something or you know or whatever um, a superhuman character can still um, you know um, face defeat and then rise back up again and, and and all of that you know I mean Doc is stymied you know many times during the original novels but he's always going to triumph in the end of course but you know why, why not try something you know, like that, uh, and, and, and see, but, uh, you know, we, we all know how Hollywood works and, yeah. and that's not the, you know, the way they, uh, approach things. Um, I, I don't know, you know, I mean, I kind of just grin and shake my head every time I hear another little nugget about the, the Doc Savage movie, because again, it, to me, it seems like it's just, it, it's mentioned and then we never hear anything you know more about it. I'll I'll perk up a little bit when I hear that it actually began filming. Yeah, you know? I have uh, hopes. I, 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 don't I would think love the Rock to see is one. necessarily the, the greatest no. uh, choice for that. I'd much rather seen some unknown you know actor in it because these these guys always bring so much baggage mm. uh, with them. Yeah, you you've got to, they've got to do their thing, their shtick, their sort of personality, which. Uh... Like you say, could sometimes they have to adapt the character for that. But no, I agree. I'd love to see uh, some of these make a comeback in in some sort of form. And it, you know, it doesn't even have to be a movie. You know, with like HBO or Netflix yes. or you know, yeah, they're, they're I'd, the I'd ones that take the chance. You know, Netflix do the Purple Invasion. Mm. I mean, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic stuff is you know we're riding the the you know, the wave of that, um, you know, um, why couldn't, uh, the purple invasion series be the next handmaid's tale? <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. You're right. Maybe I stretched it a little bit, but you know what I mean? It's, it could be done. Well, they put on, you know, like having sort of compared them things to like Jack Bauer in the binge worthy TV. I yeah. think maybe that's the way to go is a, t- a 10 part, TV series about the Shadow, Doc Savage, or the Spider, or Operator Five, or whatever. Here, I'll bring I'll bring it home a little bit more. Why can't it be the next The Man in the High Castle? Yes, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, that's it. Maybe that's it. Maybe you know, movies are no longer the the pulp format. Maybe it is Amazon and Netflix and and uh, HBO. They're the way to go. That's where these characters can land, and we can be more. Accurate and more and more truthful, honest to the characters. That'd be amazing. Yeah, the you know the Spider series uh, could be the next you know Sharknado. <laughs> <laughs> it's just as wild, right? Yeah, seriously. The, 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 yeah. Like you say, and because there's so many different types, like why couldn't it be? Like, yeah, you've got the Phantom Detective and have a, a detective series, or um, yes. you know Sherlock was so successful. Right, well, let's do the Phantom Detective, yeah. or uh, yeah, to the opportunity. The, the, yeah. There, talk about your 
talk about your most successful pulp character of all time would be Sherlock Holmes, which yes. everybody forgets is a pulp character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the, the, these characters do live on, and they do they can be adapted and changed. And I think that would be amazing. Yeah, that would be so cool. Um, so I tell you, we're going to start looking to wrap up. But before we do, Jim, so you you have written some of these these pulps. You've written. So where can people find your work? Where can people find um, your pulp stuff? And anything oh, else? Uh, for, first and foremost, I invite everybody to head over to Amazon and uh, Amazon.com slash author slash Jim Beard J I M B E A R D and you'll see all my books there. Um, I, I call myself a, a writer of adventure fiction. Uh, that's just sort of a, a dumbed-down way of saying I'm a pulp writer. <laughs> it <laughs> saves the explanation to people of what that, what pulp is. But um, what I do is uh, I, I write in the classic pulp style, but I'm ad- adapting it to uh, different things. Uh, I, I, you know, I do write actual classic pulp but um i'm also looking for something else to adapt it to that maybe the that all those publishers and writers back in the 30s 40s and 50s didn't really think of uh back then and i'm also um doing more licensed uh fiction now which has just been a real thrill and i've gotten to work with um uh uh, spider-man uh uh, the x-files uh i did a planet of the apes anthology and so uh, if you read my stuff you're still going to see that uh you know my pulp sensibilities (laughs) coming through even though i'm I'm maybe working in somebody else's universe if you go on facebook um you can find me at my so-called fan page you know i i have friends not fans but i called it that it's called the beard the jim beard fan page and you'll be able to find that uh, at Facebook and on and Twitter, even though I don't tweet that much, uh, hmm. it's I'm at writer Jim Beard, all one word, writer Jim Beard. Excellent. I will be I will be checking out your book, no doubt. I, I guarantee. Um, Thanks. And uh, and uh, thank you for taking the time to talk about this because I've been wanting to talk about the pulps and pulp heroes for for ages. So uh, uh, great. I, I'm so glad. I'm so glad Julian recommended you. It's been fantastic. Oh, uh, yeah. I I. Believe me, this is a real thrill because I can I can uh, I can talk about the the pulps, you know, uh, on and on and on um, because it's end it's endlessly uh, uh, giving, you know, <laughs> you know it's the gift that keeps on on giving uh, when you you know there's so many wrinkles to it and so many layers and I love what you said. You start into this one thing and it leads to another, which leads to another, which leads to another. Um, I, I highly recommend to everybody it's Don Hutchison's book um, if you really want to get a good overview and a very well written funny yes. uh, overview even at, at, at times when he calls out some of the, the more uh, the odder things <laughs> about uh, it's Don Hutchison uh, the great pulp heroes and he walks through not only the big guns, but some of the, the smaller um, pea shooters, too. Um, and I swear you're going to find at least one character where you go, oh, i got to find these books. Oh, there's been more than that one. That sounds there's amazing. Been, there's there's, there's what, been more wait, than one. <laughs> a, a World War One pilot whose adventures suddenly turn into uh, 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 future stories with weird-sounding yeah. aliens, <laughs> you know, and then go back to World War One adventures. I gotta find that. You know, what's that all about? The, I was say you. You said there's one character. I tell you what. Yeah, th- th- this book. It's it's inc- it's so good. It is a fantastic book. It's, it lives. It's on my shelf now. 
And um, there are a set. I've got a note of list of all the ones I've got to check out. Like you say, G eight. Uh, Operator Five is is on that. I've got to read an Operator Five novel. I'm really looking forward to getting into that. Good, yeah, and and uh, you know, try to find something from the Purple Invasion, even if you don't mm. necessarily start at the at the beginning. You know, you 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 know, uh, when when a foreign country takes over half the United States up to the Mississippi <laughs> River, you know, it's 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 really something. But it's been... but, and, and before World War Two, you know, yes. that's the amazing. So, what it is now is it's alternate history. Yes, so it that's is. That's how we read it. Can read it now. It's not the. It's not the the future that that could happen. It's it's an alternate history of the United States. I think that's how we should budget. That's, let's say a collection of that, a single volume would be yeah. awesome, or a couple of volumes. Jim, we will have you back on. I think we'll do it. You know, I wouldn't mind doing a sort of a deep dive on a single character. If you know, if you want, we could oh, do. Oh, great. We'll do a deep dive on a Doc Savage or even one of the lesser ones to sort of really sort of bring out some of the more. Uh, unusual tales and characters that are available great great i'd, I'd love that that'll be great cool thank you very much i'll uh, i'll let you get back to your day and uh, and uh, i'll be in contact all right thanks a lot thanks for having me not at all brilliant thanks jim take care you too cheers Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. The chat I had with the fantastic Jim Beard. Uh, and I highly recommend you checking out some of his work. He's done some on the Purple Sky. He's written some Spider-Man books. He's written into the world of many other uh, franchises. So just Google him and uh, check him out on his own website or on his uh, Amazon list. And uh, a note to that, and a link to that, sorry, is in the show notes for this episode. So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you learned something from it. I hope it's given you an insight into um, these characters that existed before the Dark Knight and uh, before the Last Son of Krypton, before all these other characters. These I, I really believe how important these characters are. And uh, if you like, if you're a comic book reader, tr- check these out. There are modern day comic versions of these characters that I think are very are great. Dynamite do some, IDW do some, um, but more than that, check out. Um, the companies are that are now reprinting these these uh, pulps. They're great fun and uh, mostly reasonably priced. But if you're a fan of things like Jack Reacher or the um, oh, some of these the other sort of like pulp style, more heavyweight uh, airport novels, check out some of these. They're very much up your street, I think, uh, but a lot more lightweight, a lot quicker, a lot more punchy. So I really recommend them. And if you do recommend them, if you do check them out, please get in contact. Let me know what you think. Who did you like? Which which pulp characters do you like? Do you like some? Um, and uh, if you want to know more, get in contact. For, you know, email me, uh, 20thCenturyGeek at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter, uh, at 20thCenturyGeek. And uh, on Facebook, and Instagram, and Tumblr, and all those other 20thCenturyGeek. Uh, I love to talk to anybody who's listened to the show and got anything to say. You know, any feedback or any interaction is great, and I, I love it. I really do, and I appreciate all of it. Um, more than all that, uh, you know, these episodes go out free, and you get some great content. At least I think it's great content. Hope you enjoy it. But we've got more content out there. We've got some other stuff. We've got a monthly movie review that's uh, that's going out, and also. 
uh, I'm, I'm writing sort of uh, blog entries on a hundred years of pop culture, little snippets of history from the sort of more obscure areas of uh, pop culture history and why they're important. You know, if you want to hear about the man who would be king, the guy who bought an island, uh, the artist who bought himself an island and crowned himself king, or the first horror story, uh, the first horror movie, I should say, that was used in a court case as evidence, or even uh, the first magazine, the first comic to reach 1,000 issues quite a few years before uh, Action Comics were able to celebrate it earlier this year. Find out. All that content is on our Patreon page. So go over there, check it out, have a look at our Patreon content uh, and uh, what we're doing there. Subscribe and throw a couple of coppers our way. It's greatly appreciated. And finally, something new, something exciting. Um, we have started the 20th Century Geek YouTube channel. Uh, there's a couple of videos up there at the moment and we're going to be doing some movie reviews and some musings and some all kinds of things. It's going to be a bit more uh, free form and open to anything that I can be bothered or think of doing. So uh, check that out, subscribe and again get in contact if you think we should be doing something with that channel. Okay ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it and uh, our back to school month will be back next month. We've had to leave it a little bit Sorry, we'll leave next week. We've had to leave it for a little bit because he hasn't been available. But hopefully, I'm hoping Mike will be available to come back in and talk for our second part of our Monty Python episode. We're going to bookend the month with some comedy. Okay, so thank you very much again. And we'll get again and talk soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>